What's happening is that this cost savings is becoming contagious. It's almost it's embarrassing for companies that have to say what they've been charging over the years, and they're making these strides to reduce the cost of you know whether it be launch or other areas. They know that they have to get the cost down, or they'll they'll go out of business. Welcome to the Space Angels Podcast, Episode Six: NASA's Role in the Entrepreneurial Space Age. I'm your host, Chad Anderson, CEO of Space Angels, the world's leading source of capital for early stage space ventures. The purpose of this podcast is to provide investors with the context and information necessary to understand the real risks and opportunities in this dynamic new entrepreneurial space age. In this episode, we'll be exploring the relationship between the private space industry and government as it relates to early stage space investment strategies. This is an incredibly timely topic because wow, what a year it's been for the space industry. We're only three months in and already we've seen the SpaceX Falcon Heavy launch. Space Angels has added two new companies to our portfolio. The White House released its proposed budget for NASA and the National Space Council had its first meeting of the year. It really seems like space has been top of mind for government in 2018. So why does this matter to investors in space? Well, let's just say that the impact of NASA on the development of private enterprise cannot be understated. There's an old industry adage that says, to do business in space means to do business with the government. People often think entrepreneurs like Elon Musk have achieved success all on their own. But spoiler alert, the government has played a major role in the development, growth, and revenue of companies like SpaceX. In fact, the entire commercial space economy is built on a foundation of 60 plus years of technology developed by governments. The reason I'm so excited for today's show is because we're going to be zeroing in on a question that comes up frequently in conversations, which is, with all this entrepreneurial activity in space, what is NASA's role? And to discuss this topic, I couldn't think of a better guest to have on the show than Eric Stalmer. Eric is the president of the Commercial Space Flight Federation, an advisor to the National Space Council, and an advisor to the Space Angels Venture Fund. He knows the ins and outs of the regulatory environment and its implications on commercial space. Before I bring in Eric, just a heads up that we had a bit of an issue with his audio, and it sounds like there's a bit of a Cylon effect in his voice. So with that, Eric, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Chad. I'm really excited uh, to talk with you today. Thanks. So let's um, start by having you tell us a little bit about the Commercial Spaceflight Federation. Sure. The Commercial Spaceflight Federation is uh, an industry trade organization located uh, in Washington, D.C., we're made up of about 85 different member organizations that range from the whole gamut of the space industry, the, uh, from the launch providers to the spaceports to the satellite uh, manufacturers to the satellite operators to people that are looking to build and work in space up on the space station, build habitats. So it's a real tremendous cross-section of the uh, the commercial space industry that we represent. And when I say represent, a lot of what we do is advocate for our companies uh, to the federal government uh, and, and to state governments uh, on various rules and regulations that uh, that the, the, the industry has to abide by and, and how we can shape these these rules and regulations as the industry is, is maturing at such a rapid rate. And uh, obviously, we've had great success in the industry uh, with the, the innovation that's taken place, you know, from launch and, and satellite technology. Uh, so it's, it's been a very exciting time to be in the, uh, the commercial space industry. 
That's great. And so you're helping to nurture the ecosystem by by working with um, legislators and regulators to help understand uh, the innovation that's happening and also how to um, uh, regulate and keep things safe and operating efficiently, but um, also allowing that innovation to flourish. Is that is that accurate? Exactly. You know, in the simplest terms, I like to say why we exist is to promote and protect the industry promote it through the outreach to getting the word out of what's going on in the commercial space industry uh, to various, you know, players, if you will, uh, whether they're you know, from the government perspective, but also from the investment community to people that are uh, just ex- the media that's excited to cover this industry, uh, but also to the to the, uh, the legislative folks that are, you know, writing laws that could have a major impact on what's going on um, in our industry, how it's taxed, how it's funded, how the rules apply, um, because the game is changing tremendously. And so it's not limited just to the legislative actions, but it's also the regulators, uh, the different you know government agency. And it's also working with the White House uh, on what their vision for space is, for the American public and how we can help shape that. That's perfect. Thanks. Um, and then, so starting uh, big picture, what are the differences between government space and commercial space? Well, I think when you think of government space, the first thing that comes to mind is NASA. You know, NASA is such an iconic organization and agency, and they have done, they've been literally at the forefront of advancement in space for the last 60 years. Uh, and that's kind of, and then of course the Department of Defense has uh, twice the budget that NASA has in promoting, you know, the the safety and security of our our nation and the work that they do in space. That's what you think of when you think of government space and some kind of big government space. Where commercial is more this entrepreneurial spirit, the folks that want to provide uh, services and see that services are available, whether the services that they're providing are remote sensing, satellite communications, or launch, whatever it may be, that is, uh, that's the difference that's going on. And we're seeing quite a paradigm shift uh, right now on the role that the commercial space industry is playing. Great, thanks. Um, in our most recent space investment quarterly, the Q4 for the end of 2017, we talked a lot about rockets. In that, it, it shows that commercial launch capacity is growing at a much faster pace than that of government. Um, now you have the Falcon Heavy launching, um, giving a commercial option for deep space. Uh, what does all this mean for the launch market? Well, it means that there's options out there. And historically, there weren't a lot of options out there for uh, the, the payload um, from the pay- payload perspective. You know, government launches historically have been very expensive. Uh, a lot of times when you think the government launches, the biggest customer uh, is the Department of Defense with and, you know, the intelligence agencies. With the launch market, the, the, the changing, uh, you know, aspects of the, the, the commercial launch aspect, the commercial launch side of the house, you're seeing a lot more commercial launches at a more uh, inexpensive price point. SpaceX last year, for instance, did 19 launches, uh, you know, commercial launches, whether the government was a customer or, you know, a, a private company was a customer. Uh, and that that's a that's one of the great the biggest numbers that we've seen in a long time. 
So we're seeing a big shift in the, the amount that the government launch launches and also the what the government is paying for these launches as well. So with commercial launch being cheaper, the capacity is coming online a lot more quickly. What do you think the future of government launch looks like, given um, the increasing role of, of commercial launch vehicles? I think the government market will continue to be steady because, as you said, you know, nations need to have their own organic launch capability if they can. Now, sometimes uh, they don't have launch vehicles, and so they need to depend on um, foreign launch vehicles. And we see that in a number of ways. You know, right now, the main launch companies are the European countries, are the Europeans, the Chinese, the Russians, the Indians, and the U.S. Uh, with new entrants coming online, uh, the Japanese as well. Apologies. Uh, but new entrants are coming online. But if a government needs to depend on one of those countries for their own uh, um, dependent launch capabilities. But the commercial sector, so that what that I see as being steady, uh, steady growth. The commercial sector has the opportunity to launch from various places, various payloads, uh, whether they be commercial or government uh, payloads, where uh, Blue Origin, for instance, in two years could be launching a satellite for the Singapore government. Uh, you know, hypothetically, that's what we're, we're seeing that shift, a commercial launcher with government payloads or commercial launchers with commercial payloads and the government to government market, I think, will be consistent. So um, I want to get into the NASA budget a little bit now. Today, the, the 2018 budget was passed by the House and is expected to pass in the Senate. It looks like NASA is going to get a billion and a half above what the White House proposed. Assuming that this passes, what does this mean for NASA? I think it means great things for NASA. There's there's a couple uh, areas of interest that NASA has um, has focused on that is going to suit NASA very well. Uh, there's 130 million for a program called Restore L, which is an innovative satellite servicing program uh, that will basically help extend the life of the current satellites that are operating in space right now. It's starting with government satellites, but I think this could lead to more commercial ventures. Uh, if you can refuel a satellite in space, you extend that life to the satellite, you could double the life of the satellite to, you know, I think on average satellites last 10 years, just, you know, get an extra, uh, another 10 years out of the satellite. Uh, I think this is a very interesting approach. And, and I, What's exciting about this is this is something this is something that NASA does well. There's deep science to to work with the industry to help develop these cutting edge technologies. Uh, we're also seeing twenty million dollars in the budget for the Flight Opportunities Program. This is another great partnership that NASA has to seek out launch vehicles to fly payloads and test these payloads, whether it be in suborbital or orbital uh, atmosphere. And to, you know, to test out new technologies. And we've seen great success and great products come from these flight opportunity programs. Like, uh, one that comes, for instance, is, uh, you know, the additive manufacturing or a 3D printer in space. You know, this, to do technologies like that, to have a 3D printer on the, the International Space Station and, and really manufacturing and parts of whatever the astronauts may need there, you have to test this out in a suborbital atmosphere before you can actually move forward. And this is some of the opportunities that the flight 
that flight opportunities um, will provide to to launchers as well as to uh, some of these these uh, payload uh, providers. There's also thirty million dollars in there for the venture class launch services, and we've seen great success with this. Uh, there's a handful of companies: uh, Rocket Labs, Virgin Orbit, uh, Vector. These are these small launch companies that are looking to develop develop with their launch vehicles, but also to launch these smaller payloads that aren't, you know, your typical uh, large scale, medium to large scale rockets. These are more of your smaller rockets um, that can deliver uh, critical payloads into space. And so for them to get $30 million, that's, that's a huge investment. So we're, we're pretty excited about that as well. Great. And so as investors in commercial space who are looking across the spectrum from launch to uh, lunar transportation, what should we be paying attention to? Uh, an opportunity that has arisen is through the two different lunar approaches uh, innovations. One is uh, through the small uh, lunar vehicle programs that appeals to companies like Moon Express and Astrobotics. And the others for uh, a commercial approach to lunar landers. And so NASA will put out uh, requests for proposals, uh, requests for information, RFPs, RFIs, as they call them, uh, to get more information, to solicit, uh, eventually to uh, extend contact contracts out to these providers. And what they'll probably do is award two or three contracts to various uh, companies that are engaging in these lunar landers or lunar prospectors. And that's a pretty exciting time. Were there any points of concern in the budget? Um, and if so, how are those being addressed? One concern that came out of the budget, and this came uh, out of the president's initial, uh, the, 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 the budget that came from the president before it got to Congress, was the longevity of the International Space Station. The International Space Station has been in space now over 20 years. It's doing fantastic science, uh, but it's getting to that stage where it needs more and more maintenance, uh, and you need to do more science. You need to really fully uh, ex extend the, the, the full capabilities of the International Space Station. So one of the initiatives or one of the discussion points that came out was kind of uh, thinking about shutting the station down on or about 2025. And there was a lot of concern about this. This is a great investment, a $20 billion investment that the U.S. and other nations around the world made uh, to this international laboratory. And, and I really believe now that we have a commercial uh, crew program that's coming online at the end of this year, or early next year, that will be bringing more astronauts up on a routine basis. These are two U.S. companies, Boeing and SpaceX, that, that were awarded the commercial crew contract. Um, it, it gives you more uh, range of operations that the astronauts can do on the maintenance side of it, on the research side of it, to extend the life of the space station and to continue the fantastic science uh, that is going on up there. So uh, the Congress is very supportive of the International Space Station. And so what I think we're looking for is a transition plan. If they want to commercialize the International Space Station, what is the plan? You know, we don't want to just, you know, auger this into the ocean, uh, you know, in 2025. And I don't think that was the White House's intent. But let's let's have a discussion. Let's have a transition plan on how to best utilize the space station for the next 25 years. 
Got it. And there's a number of commercial uh, space station companies that are coming online. Wouldn't they be interested in an early departure and early decommissioning of the space station so that they could get into business? I think they would like to know what NASA's plan is before they can really establish what their plan is. If NASA says, hey, it's going to be done in 2025, I think that gives them a better idea of what they need to do, where they need to be. But at the same time, these companies use NASA in a great uh, variety of ways. And I think we'll continue to work with NASA uh, on, you know, demonstrating technologies on the International Space Station. So whether they'll be ready by 2025 to take over commercial operations or whether it's a, a gradual handoff, Knowing definitively what the timelines are, what the expectations would help them, you know, in developing their business plan a little further out. I see. So I think what you're saying is that there are efforts underway and there's companies, commercial companies that are working on this. But this is a big project and um, the handoff needs to be coordinated between uh, the government and the commercial players. Yeah, I I think the biggest thing, we want to know what the transition plan is. What what does... NASA and the commercial industry envision what this this transition plan is. Twice in the, in the agency's history, I think they have failed. They failed from the Apollo program to the Skylab, or and, and rather Skylab, to, and the gap that we had until the shuttle took off. And then in more current time with the, the, the shuttle program ending five years ago, now we have we have a, this five six year gap where we have no uh, access to bring U.S. astronauts on a U.S. vehicle into space. We have to depend on the Russians. So let's have a smooth transition plan that we don't we uh, have this big gap that we have to overcome uh, a, a more consistent uh, um, plan, a continuity plan, I should say. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, we're still living that gap now, so let us learn from the past. I've got some questions here about the National Space Council. Can you tell us a bit about the National Space Council? What is it? What are its objectives? Sure. Uh, The National Space Council is an organization that it's made up of several members, uh, cabinet members that uh, have a a vested interest in space, Department of Transportation, uh, or I should say the Secretary of Transportation, Secretary of Commerce, Secretary of Defense, Homeland Security, the National Security Advisor, uh, the FAA, NASA, uh, and a couple other uh, um, cabinet-level organizations that meet uh, a little more than quarterly with the vice president. The council's headed up by uh, Vice President Pence, who oversees kind of the, the clearinghouse of all things space in this country, uh, whether it, it be from the launch perspective, the licensing, export controls, the role that DOD plays um in space. So the, the, the National Space Council is meeting on these issues. The idea is let's try to work together. If, figure things out in your lane, whether it's Department of Transportation or it's Department of Commerce. But if these, if issues kind of escalate, they come to the council level and they sort it out at the council. Now, in addition to the, the National Space Council, they also enacted a, um, White House User Advisory Group, which is about 24, 25 representatives from a cross-section of industry and academia and government. So there's uh, it, it, 
there's five or six uh, CEOs from the commercial space industry. You have your larger companies, your more traditional companies, like Lockheed, Boeing, Northrop Grumman. They're represented. Uh, there's a handful of um, uh, former astronauts that are involved. Uh, um, just deep, uh, deep thinkers. So uh, about 25, 27, I, I believe, members of the council that are, are, are this advisory group that will advise the council on what direction industry is going and what direction we think the nation should be going in space. Okay, so if uh, the council has such a leading role in space in this country, um, what exactly is its relationship with NASA? Well, NASA is one part of the council. What they're saying is, you know, NASA plays an oversized role because their sole mission is space. But NASA is not a regulatory agency. So uh, for companies that I represent, Blue Origin, Sierra Nevada, SpaceX, for instance, one of the prime agencies that they have to work with is the FAA, the FAA's Office of Commercial Space Transportation that helps license uh, launch vehicles. You know, anytime you want to launch your, uh, you, you have a vehicle you need to launch, you have to get a license to do that. So NASA doesn't play a role in that. Uh, the Air Force has the ranges. So they help support the commercial industry, you know, through the use of uh, um, administering the, the ranges. Uh, so, again, Na we always think NASA space, and they're clearly the, the main space uh, agency that is on the council. But many of these other uh, cabinet levels have a great deal of influence uh, in space. And we're, we're seeing others that are taking an even greater role uh, and greater interest in space, such as the Department of Commerce. The new Secretary of Commerce is very interested in space and the idea of what commerce should be doing to be promoting the U.S. commercial space industry. That That's really helpful. Thanks, Eric. And um, so with the user advisory group that you mentioned, so this is comprised of representatives from private space companies, some astronauts. It is the user's advisory group, right? So what are some of the UAG's main objectives in advising the National Space Council? I think the main objective is to give the government a good sense of where industry is, how industry can support uh, the nation's space agenda, and uh, areas that need uh, help and working on. You know, whether it's one of one of the big objectives was, uh, for instance, regulatory reform. Uh, are enough regulations in place? Are there too many? Not enough. Where can we improve on that? The direction that we've seen from the vice president is that. He, you know, what he has heard from industry is, hey, these these regulations and the timetables are are just too burdensome for for the industry. The government needs to you know be working with industry at the speed of need, not at you know, this traditional glacial pace that the government has historically moved at. And and so we're already starting to implement these changes. We're working with the FAA, working with our Office of Commercial Space Transportation and establishing rulemaking committees that are, are really streamlining the launch, uh, for, for instance, the launch licensing process, uh, which is, it's been a great, uh, a great venture because the government is asking industry, how can we do better? And, and I really feel that the, that the government is, is listening and really wants to help, which is, um, somewhat to the contrary of how things have traditionally worked. So I think that's, uh, you know, a good objective of the UAE, UAG, uh, 
to help promote the industry, to help you know further along. What are the best practices uh, to help the nation's space program? Great. So it sounds like um, you're a proponent of the National Space Council and its role in in bringing all these disparate pieces of the space uh, economy, um, the national space agenda together. I have been pleasantly surprised at the role that the the White House and the Vice President's office has played uh, in establishing the National Space Council. They put a a gentleman I know, uh, Scott Pace, Dr. Scott Pace, who came from the, the George Washington Space Policy Institute, a very well-regarded uh, uh, individual in, in Washington and space circles. Uh, and they've really engaged uh, industry quite a bit. And I, I say selfishly, you know, they, they've really engaged the commercial industry on what we can offer, uh, how soon can we offer this, and uh, and what, what help do we need, and what areas do we need help. So uh, all indications that I've seen, there's a great, uh, tremendous amount of interest from you know, the, the executive office on the commercial space industry and moving it forward. So it's uh, it's an exciting time. Uh, I wasn't around for the first Space Council. I, I wasn't in the industry back then. Uh, so I can't speak competently on, you know, the success that they had. Uh, in the Obama administration, they used uh, more of the Office of Space, uh, OSTP, the Office of Space Tech, uh, Science and Technology Policy. Uh, and it was limited in its scope of how it could help the greater industry. It was more of the whole uh, science spectrum. So this is um, this is an exciting time. I, I think they've got a good bipartisan spirit in the uh, in the space community. So uh, we're, we're going to have to see how it works out. But so far, uh, all indications are that they're willing to work with industry. Entrepreneurs are, are changing the way we look at leadership in space. The industry was previously led by NASA and the government, but commercial companies now have tremendous influence. Uh, the National Space Council even moved a number of space activities to the Commerce Department, like you mentioned earlier. Uh, from a government perspective, what does the future leadership in space look like, you think? I think it looks a lot more commercial. I think you're seeing uh, entrepreneurial individuals that have an oversized influence on the, um, the space industry, on the way we do business in space. It's simple. When you bring the cost of launch and the access to space down, it opens up the opportunities of what you can do in space. Uh, and I, I think you're seeing there, there's several individuals out there that are committed to bringing the cost uh, of access to space down, the, the frequency of uh, accessing space, you know, increasing that frequency, the launch cadence. So I think I think it's going to be the industry and the commercial commercial sector that are really going to have a, a great voice in this leadership um, transition. And of course, you know, the government is a government and you, uh, we cannot be successful without the, the important roles that the government plays, uh, you know, from the regulatory, from the international promotion, uh, from the rules that, that have been established to make sure that we're, um, that there's, there's good actors out there and we're operating in the safest possible manner. Um, but I, I think the government depends more on what industry is doing. Uh, you know, our, I, I, I saw that our, our deficit went up uh, another trillion dollars. So government can't afford to do all these things that they, they once liked and enjoyed doing. Um, and that was a uniquely government role. Uh, some of these uniquely government roles are now, uh, uh, uniquely industry 
and uh, and that's that's a big shift that we're seeing. Great, thanks. Um, so, Eric, I know that you agree that space startups provide an unprecedented opportunity for investors, and that there has never been a better time to get involved in in space investing. Can you give us your personal take on that? It's amazing the amount of startups that we're seeing, uh, the the impact that they're having, that what these startups can do with just a small amount of seed money, uh, whether it's, you know, developing uh, new launch vehicle and parts using additive manufacturing or uh, using laser uh, communications to, you know, to download data from space. These are, these are big ideas that 10, 15 years ago would have cost a fortune. But what we're seeing is just great progress from the investment community, from uh, whoever it may be, from you know, private capital, from venture capitalists, to the, the, the angel network that's out there, to getting these companies the, the initial seed money that they need uh, to take to the next level. And people are listening. People are listening because these innovative products that these entrepreneurs are bringing to market um, are the, are literally the next big things, the next big steps that we're taking. And this is this is unparalleled times that what we're seeing the rate of investment. I think the investment last year was three point nine billion in the commercial marketplace from from private sector investments. That's an incredible number, and I, I'm pretty confident that number is only going to grow. And the opportunities are only going to grow as well. So uh, I'm, I'm very upbeat about that. And it's, it's very exciting for me to be at this position where I can see a lot of these startups coming to fruition. Five years ago, no one had ever heard of Planet Lab, and what they're doing and changing the, the whole landscape in the remote sensing industry. Uh, it's just very exciting times. Uh, I think it's huge what the Space Angels uh, the role that they have played and the impact that they have had in the industry. I, I think when I, we first started talking, you know, it's really just a handful of investors, you know, looking at, you know, just a, a small amount of companies. And now the amount of investors that are out there that want to be a part of this, this industry and the amount of investments they're making in companies that the Space Angels are looking at, uh, it, it's really unbelievable. And it's, it's a tremendous um, uh, tool that companies have. And not just a tr- I shouldn't say tool. It's um, just searching for the word. It's a, it's such an opportunity to know that your idea could be supplemented by this investment community that otherwise wasn't there uh, five, ten years ago. Uh, and, and that you have these, these benevolent investors that want to see the advancement in humanity to, to expand our, our reaches of, of technology and innovation. And, and the Space Angels have really been at the forefront of doing that. And uh, the products that you guys have, the different reports that, that are being cited everywhere, you know, your most recent Space Investment Quarterly Review, uh, this is being handed around all over Capitol Hill to help understand this community. You know, that we didn't have reports like this before uh, and understanding where money is coming from and where it's going to. This is a it's a critical need that the industry has. And, and I think the Space Angels are doing just a remarkable job filling this need for industry. 
That was beautiful. Thanks, Eric. And finally, many of our listeners have strong connections to federal and state representatives. What should our audience be communicating to their legislators? I think the great interest that is out there across the country uh, in, and I see it again from the commercial space aspect, but you know what big, you know, some of these big industries are doing as well, uh, to let the lawmakers know what's out there. No disrespect to, you know, members of Congress and senators, but they get a little myopic on the areas that they focus on. And we only have a handful, maybe maybe a dozen or you know, a dozen and a half of lawmakers that are really dedicated to advancing our national space program and helping uh, these entrepreneur companies along. Now, it's it, that number is growing and it's kind of spreading like religion. Um, but you really have to get in there and educate them on what's going on in the industry. What is the impact of um, of these new technologies that are coming to bear? What is what are these large uh, constellations? What does that mean to you know people in rural America? You know, on these imagery satellites that this low cost imagery that farmers can be using. How do you how do you tell that story? And, and people have to get in and tell the lawmakers. Uh, these stories and how they can help and influence uh, this industry to, to help continue growing. So I think that's an important role. Uh, but more and more um, members of Congress are taking a greater interest uh, in what's going on in space. And, and the nice thing is, and this is what makes my job fairly easy, is that space continues to be a bar- bipartisan uh, field. No one, you, you, there's very few people out there that say, I hate space. I can't stand what NASA's doing. Oh, the private sector shouldn't be doing this. You don't hear that too often. You hear the great stories that uh, of industry working with NASA, industry uh, advancing where NASA can. Uh, so it's it's very impressive right now what what's going on. And, and again, it's that education of the lawmakers that is really critical. Great. And so if one of um, these investors or um, one of our audience members was to uh, come across uh, one of these senators with an interest in space or one of these Congress, uh, congressmen or women with an interest in space and they had two minutes, um, what would be the one thing you would hope that they would um, uh, impress upon their legislator? I think that it's real, that space is very real. I think we're uh, at a historic time in our society of what's going on in space and the the tremendous opportunities that are there and to get on board and to be more aware of what's going on in the the space community, whether it be through government space, through commercial space. Um, The innovation is just... Uh, remarkable what's taking place and, and the type of investment. And it's not costing the government uh, this enormous sums of money that it historically has. Uh, so I think those are some of the messages that you want to get across to the lawmakers, to be supportive, to, to educate themselves on um, the, the great mission that you know, a lot of these companies are taking on. And to utilize more commercial services because it's saving them money saving them uh, an inordinate amount of money. And what's happening is that this cost savings is becoming contagious. It's almost em- it's embarrassing for companies that have to say what they've been charging over the years. And they're making these strides to reduce the cost of, you know, whether it be launch or other areas. They know that they have to get the cost down or they'll 
they'll go out of business. There, there's there's so much competition, um, and, and the commercial marketplace is is doing is doing this, driving that competition, it's lowering the cost, uh, and that's going to rise many boats, I believe. Well, that is a beautiful, uh, beautiful way to end this. I think. Really, though, I think we're just uh, scratching the surface of these issues. Um, uh, we've been coming down to Washington and uh, playing a larger role in the conversation there. Um, and with your role uh, uh, as the voice of these entrepreneurial space companies and your role as an advisor to the National Space Council, um, I think that this is a much bigger conversation. And I look forward to having you on future shows to, uh, to, to continue the, the dialogue. Thank you so much for your time and for um, educating us and, and uh, providing some insight into uh, the future government leadership in space and how it's working with uh, the entrepreneurial space sector. Chad, I really appreciate you having me on today and keep continuing to do what you're doing, Space Angels. Uh, it's a remarkable institution that you have and, uh, and look forward to, as always, continuing talking with you. Thanks for tuning in to the Space Angels podcast. As today's episode is made clear, yet again, there has never been a better time to get involved in space investing. So I want to invite you to visit our website, spaceangels.com, where you can learn all about Space Angels membership and how you can get involved in this exciting new sector. And before I sign off, I want to put in a plug for our next episode, in which we'll be exploring high-altitude balloons and stratolites with Jane Pointer, CEO of Worldview Enterprises. 